How many of you, last week we kicked off a series called Warrior. How many of y'all are feeling like you're a little tougher after last week? How many of y'all feel like you're a little weaker? Oh, so none of y'all got hit this week. Okay, cool. Um, I want to talk to you this morning as we continue on this series of Warrior. And I want to talk to you on understanding the idea of a time to throw a punch. See, there comes a time where you get sick and tired of getting pushed around. See, let me help some of y'all people that <laughs> you from the side of the tracks I'm from. You may be saved, but you ain't soft. And see, the reality of it is there comes a time spiritually where you say, but you ain't soft. And though the world has done a terrible job culturally setting a picture and painting a picture of Jesus as some mild, poor, uneducated carpenter that just wanted all these people to act like sheep and to walk in love and compassion. But the reality of it is, is on the island of Patmos, we find a much greater picture of the Lord Jesus standing in full warrior attire. Matter of fact, his eyes are burning with flames of fire and his feet are showed with boots of brass and yet there on that island is the greatest warrior that the world has ever known, has ever lived. Why is he the greatest warrior? Because he's defeated death, hell, sin, and the grave. He's been victorious over it all. Why is he the greatest warrior? Because Isaiah said that he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. What does that mean to some? They think, wow, he's got a long train. For those of you that don't know, trains are what would have been the Old Testament cape. And it says there that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. He had an extremely long train. Why? Because of the culture of the day when a king would subdue another king, he would not necessarily take his crown, but he'd take his train. And often the train was an identifier of the king of that region. Some were certain colors, certain jewels, certain uh, specialties of that area that were sewn and fastened to the back of that train of that king. And yet though it was there that Isaiah has this incredible picture of the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temple. The reason why is because what it was was a prophetic picture of every kingdom that he has already subdued and taken the train. Listen to me. He took the train of addiction and sewed it to him and said, I've gotten victory over addiction. He took the train of depression and sewed it to him and said, I got the victory over depression. He took the train of suicide, sewed it to him and said, I've got victory over suicide. He took the train of anger, bitterness, racism and sewed it to him and said, I've got the victory. And so the train of his robe fills the temple because Jesus standing there is victorious over it all. There's nothing that you're fighting today that Jesus hasn't already won. Matter of fact, to let you know, Jesus is not some scrawny, pansy carpenter that just meek and mild walked around like some sissy. The Bible declares in Exodus 15 and 3, the Lord is a warrior and Yahweh is his name. The Lord is a warrior. Some of y'all say, wow, that's great. Some of y'all say, wow, that's Old Testament. Jesus came full of grace and mercy. Okay, that's fine. I hear you. Sorry. Let's direct your attention now to the New Testament, Matthew 10 and 34. Jesus speaking, letters of red. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
He wasn't some sissy. He wasn't some pansy. And let me tell you something, spiritually speaking, neither should you be. When the devil begins to beat up on you, when the devil begins to lynch his demons on you and you begin to wrestle against things, you begin to fight against things. See, the problem is that some of y'all throwing in towels. I can't take it. I quit. But the Bible is clear that we have to stand fast, showing ourselves with the whole armor of God. We've got to put it on so that we can stand when the day of evil comes. Matter of fact, there's a story in Luke 4 that's quite amazing. And if you want to read it, go read the chapter of Luke 4. I love it. The Bible says that a mob, an angry mob, finds Jesus one day and they're ready to kill him. They're out to assassinate him, and here he is. He's pushed literally to a cliff. And the mob is surrounded around him, and there he's about to be shoved off a cliff to his death. But something amazing happens in Luke 4. The Bible says that he turns around, and he walks through the crowd. Not a punch thrown. Nobody pushes him down. Not a word murmured. Why? I wonder if they caught a glimpse of Revelation 19, Jesus. I wonder just maybe for a moment if if God the Father allowed a manifestation of the warrior that was in Jesus and on Jesus, the King of Kings, to turn around. And the Bible says that he literally walked through the crowd. They parted ways. They stepped aside because I I, I just wonder, maybe it was Revelation 19.11 that says, And I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. And with justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus overall. That's what, that, listen to me. You need to understand that's what you're a part of. You got to understand that the devil has no right to beat you down. He has no right to cause terror in your home, in your marriage. He has no right to rob your finances. He has no right to stricken people with, with, with cancer and with addiction. Where is the church that will rise up with a backbone in the Holy Ghost, with fire in our eyes like Jesus, and say no to hell and oh hell no. It will not be on my watch. It will not be in our city. It will not be in our home. It will will not be in my marriage. I'm going to stand and fight the fight of faith for the glory of God. You're saved. You ain't a sissy. Some of y'all used to love frobos. All I got to do is look at some of y'all's knuckles. Some of y'all's hands look like horny toads. Got knots all over them. 
And the reality of it is, is because you used to fight. Let me ask you something. If you fight that hard over, over the devil, if you fight that hard in the world, when will you get an unction over you and start fighting for your brothers? Start fighting for your marriages. Start I said somebody needs to rise up with the spirit of a warrior and begin to fight for what God has promised them. Where's the people that'll fight for kingdom kids? That'll fight. They ain't got a mommy. They ain't got a daddy that'll fight. But I believe Jesus is looking for a people that'll say, you don't need a mama. You don't need a daddy. I'll be one in the spirit for you. I'm going to pray for that little child. I'm going to pray for that little girl who faithfully comes to church and her parents don't show up because I know God's got a plan for her. I know God's got a calling for her. I'm going to fight if nobody else will. Why? Because our God is a warrior that fights for us. I want to tell you three things this morning that God has given every warrior. The first thing that you need to understand is God has given every warrior someone to save. How would we live our lives if we knew somebody else's life depended on it? How would we conduct ourselves if we knew that our demeanor was their deliverance? How would we act if we knew that our actions would give way to their anointing? How would we act if we knew that God was raising us up to be a deliverer to people? Every prophetic picture of the Old Testament was a pattern for what Jesus desires, his ecclesia, the church, his chosen people in this day, everyone sitting here and everyone that's calling on the name of Jesus. It was a prophetic picture of what his plan and purpose was for you. What does that mean? That means that he's got some people that have been through some stuff. Like Moses. You know, Moses was running from murder for 40 years on the backside of a desert. Y'all thought he spent 40 years with Israel. Now, let me tell you something. He spent 40 years with Israel because he had already trained 40 years prior in the desert. He had already been there. He'd already spent time there. But God knew that there was a purpose inside of that man. He was tough. He was he was so sunburned. His skin was probably like leather. He was a murderer. He was, he was a man that was running. But yet, while he was running, the Bible says that God got a hold of him. He comes across a burning bush, and on that burning bush is a fire. And the Bible says the bush was burning but was not consumed. And there from that bush, God spoke to a man and released a purpose, a plan in him to go to Pharaoh's courts and say, let my people go. Moses was a warrior, but he had some mess in his life. Let me tell you something. Most warriors ain't got lotion on their hands. Most warriors probably don't smell the best. What am I saying? That there's a good chance that if you're here this morning, you've been through something, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. There's probably some courts of pharaohs that he wants to send you in. And guess what Moses went in and said? Let my people go. He was a warrior. He was willing to fight. It could have cost him his life, but he knew that there was a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. He knew that the king of kings was sending him. He knew that he had had an encounter with God. You give me one man with one encounter with God and I'll show you a world he can change. The first thing that God gives every warrior is someone to save. Nehemiah 4 and 14, such a powerful passage. Some of y'all need to take this, and I can see this, uh, 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 print it on a board and put it in your homes. 
It says, and after I looked over things. Now understand, Nehemiah is building, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And there, while rebuilding the walls, he's rebuilding lives. He said, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, and fight for your homes. Nehemiah understood that there was someone to save. One of the most selfish things somebody can do, and I'll tell you right now, there's no way they're a warrior if they're living for themselves. Selfish people never qualify for warrior positions. But you give me somebody that knows that they're in this thing for more than themselves. You give me somebody that knows the reason why they haven't quit, the reason why they haven't backed up, the reason why they haven't turned in their, in, in their towel and just walked away from it all is because they know that there's a family that they're fighting for. They're fighting for their sons. They're fighting for their daughters. They're fighting for their ministry. They're fighting for their aunts. They're fighting for their uncles. They're fighting for Dominion Church. They're fighting for the city of Darlington. They know that they're in this thing, not for themselves, but for everything that's connected to them. Why haven't I quit yet? Why haven't I backed up? Why haven't I thrown in the towel? Why haven't I just walked away from God? I'll tell you why. Because I refuse to walk away from devils and demons that Kai, Adley, and Harper will have to fight. It's my job as daddy to make sure I deal with things that they will not have to deal with. I want you to know I'm not just saved. I'm a generational curse breaker. I'm telling you, when, when alcohol ran into my family, it met me and ran out. When addiction ran in my family, it met me and ran out. You've got to understand something. You're fighting for your families. You're fighting for your sons. You're fighting for your daughters. It's more than just church. Y'all think you're just showing up Sunday at 1030? Oh, no. This thing is only the locker room. This is the preparing of warriors to rise up and take the city for the glory of God. And in that city is your home. In that city is your job. In that city is everything that's connected to you. Many say they will die for those that love, that they love. My question to you is this morning, what are you going to do about living just to protect them? I'll die for them, pastor. Really? But you can't show up to church. Two days a week. I'm sorry, I'm high-stepping in the spirit over rocks that are being thrown at me right now. (laughs) Matrix move right there. You can't show up to church. The equipping ground of the saints. The fortifying of those that are called. You you can't show up to a single place, but man, Pastor, I die for my family. Let me ask you something. When will you start living just to protect them? Come on, Daddy. Come on, Mama, single Mama. When will you start living in a way that your life is protecting everything that's connected to you? When will you be a warrior and rise up and say, enough is enough? David and his men in 2 Samuel 10, 12, he says, be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. Man, I want you to know something. I'm only fighting because I'm not fighting for myself. 
I'm, put the scripture back up, please. I'm fighting for so much more. David said, be strong. My job is just to be strong and then fight bravely for the for our people and the cities of our God. I love the fact that David didn't say, uh, we got to be strong and fight for my wife and kids. David said, you got to understand something. We're doing this thing together. We're fighting for our people. Whose people? Our people. And for what else? For the cities of our God. There's regions, territories. There are principalities that are yet to come down, but he's looking for a people that will rise up and fight. The second thing that's given to every warrior is there is a kingdom to advance. Understand something. That it was never just about a church. It's always been about his kingdom. Luke 9 tells us what Jesus came to do. In verse 1 he says, And when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them the power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. And heal the sick. Watch this. Watch. I'm going to mess with some of y'all's theology real bad this morning. It'll be all right. They were preaching before Jesus died on the cross. They had something to say before his arms stretched out, laid in a tomb, rose again. What were they saying? Proclaim. That word proclaim is literally the word preach. And preach the kingdom of God. Jesus is just the door of the kingdom. Not downgrading him by any means, but the Bible is clear that he said, I am the door. No man comes in any other way except through the door. Any man that tries to come any other way is the same as a thief and a robber. And no thief shall inherit the kingdom of God. Watch, this whole thing ties together. What you need to understand is Jesus was the door. He came to the earth to show up so the people could come to him. Anyone that comes to him, he's the way into the kingdom. But the kingdom was being preached before the king ever died. Salvation is the first step into the kingdom. You have to be born again. Watch this. When you're born again, it's not that you are born again to the fact where you have to climb back in your mother's womb, I was told to Nicodemus, but to be born again is to be, is to be dead to your life in the flesh and now being raised to walk in the newness of life with Christ. Those that have been buried with him have also been raised with him. It's an understanding that when we come to Christ, it's a changing of citizenship. I hold dual citizenship. You see me here, but I'm also seated in heavenly places. That's Bible. That's Bible. There is a place in the spirit that I am ruling and reigning from. There is a place in the spirit that I am speaking from. There is a place in the spirit where God is doing a work that natural eyes can't see. Matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say, don't look at what you can see, but look for what you can't see. All right, I'm getting a little deep for Sunday morning. That's Wednesday, Wednesday night teaching. So the second thing that we understand is that there's a kingdom to be given. Uh, uh, Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Watch this. The kingdom of God. Not yours. His. What is the main contradicting factor of any believer's life? I'll tell you what. The wrestle between two kingdoms. The wrestle between promotion and presence. Do I want the job that will take me away from him 
Or do I want the presence at his feet that will bring far more blessings? Do I want to make my name great? Or do I want to lift his up? See, the reality of it is, is every person seated under the sound of my voice, you're wrestling between two kingdoms. Every day you have to get up and decide which citizenship you will activate. Will you be a citizen of this world that says, uh, that, that says commit yourself fully to life, do all that you can to become successful, to become high and at the top, to have a name that is sought after, to be famous. My God, get on Instagram. Make sure you get all the little hearts you can. Make sure you get up every morning and scroll through the book of blue just to see everybody that's fake that's living to be known and to be seen or do you get up and do you spend time in his book and and say I want to know what you say about me the wrestling of two kingdoms every warrior understands that there's a kingdom to advance so how do you advance the kingdom maybe you wage war through giving you find projects vision things that the kingdom of God is activated in and you partner through it with your resources. Boy, y'all went quiet on that. I thought you were going to say pick up a sword. I am. Ephesians 6 and 17 and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over in your lap. Maybe you'll wage war through giving. Partnering with movements of God to see them advance. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll be the brightest light in your office or your business. How do you wage war? Why don't you shine where you're planted? Why don't you show him where you are? That when people see you, they see him. I don't know, maybe you have a heart for teens so much so that you faithfully show up to epic services every Monday night where the teens of this congregation meet and that maybe you wage war in the spirit by serving those young warriors. Maybe, maybe you show up here every Tuesday and Thursday for a 7 a.m. prayer meeting because you're a prayer warrior. And if you're really feeling bold in the spirit, you even show up Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday nights at 6.30 because you know that there is a kingdom to advance and you're not doing it with your works. You're doing it with your words. You're calling things that are not as though they are. You're speaking things into existence. You're praying for your pastor. You're praying for the church leadership. You're praying for the ministries. You're praying that the kingdom of God explodes. That revival comes, that souls are saved, that people are filled with the Spirit of God, with the fire of God, the presence of God, the love of God, that our community is washed by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. It ain't in my notes. The other night, the city of Darlington caught on fire. The whole square was burning. The jeweler's bench burned, burned, burned. The fire was massive. Four or five different departments were called in. I called the church to prayer just on the Facebook page, said, pray, this is our city. But I want you to understand something. Jamie tells me yesterday, she calls me. She says, hey, I just want to let you know, the jeweler's bench is back on fire. It's then that the Spirit of God spoke to me. 
I believe there's a fire coming to Darlington that they will not be able to put out. I believe there's a fire coming to this city in the spirit. Listen to me. I'm not talking in the natural, but I believe by the spirit of almighty Jesus, there is a fire coming to our city that no matter who shows up to put it out, they're going to say it's still burning. They can't put it out. It's burning again. And I believe Dominion Church is an igniter of that fire. I believe we're a people that are called to speak the fire of God into, into this region, to carry the fire of God. I believe that when people show up to this church, it should be like fire is coming from the lips of the people that worship. Fire is coming from the man or woman of God that's preaching. I believe that when you sit here with wet wood, you feel the wetness begin to evaporate and the saturating glory of God begin to come like kerosene. And all of a sudden, you got men and women burning for the glory. Glory of God. Because there's a kingdom to advance. Warrior, hear me this morning though. Your fight is not with anyone here. I have found that people that fail to realize they have a cause to fight will fight against the wrong things. They'll fight against a wife. They'll fight against a husband. They'll fight against a church leader. Why? Because in you, you're a warrior. But here's the problem. A warrior that doesn't understand their cause will fight against the wrong things. Those of you that were the baddest boys, girls in their day, I'm going to tell you straight. People that were the you know, they say, oh, don't mess around with him. He's mean. He's like a rattlesnake. I celebrate those people when I see them walk through Dominion Church. Because what I see is a warrior that does not know his cause. But you allow the Spirit of God to get a hold of them. And all of a sudden, you thought they could throw blows in the natural. You ain't seen nothing in the Spirit. When they get on fire for the glory of God, I can't help but think of people like Brett Bailey. I don't know where Brett is this morning, but I see a warrior that in the natural, he likes to fight. In the nat- He even is seeking out. He's trying to do these fights on YouTube and stuff. But here's the reality of it. It's because I know deep in the Spirit that Brett is a warrior, and he will war for the kingdom and the glory of God. You give me men like that. You give me women like that that have spent 40 years in drug addiction, but now they come out and they're holding the keys of the kingdom. I want you to know you give me men like that. You give me women like that and I'll show you a people that can turn the city upside down. Warrior, hear me this morning. Your fight is not with anybody that's here. A distracted warrior is a destructive warrior. I'm going to say it again. A distracted warrior is a destructive warrior. Why are you distracted? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy, y'all ever do that game? Y'all did it. Like you standing next to somebody, you know, in line somewhere, and you tap them on the shoulder, and you, and the person you tap, like, looking. I saw a video on social media. This is why you shouldn't be on social media. If you're under the age of 18, you shouldn't. And I, I'm going to confess something that I saw. I'm sorry it was in my news feed, and I didn't know what it was. I just clicked on it. I seen a video a couple of weeks ago. Girls in an elevator, and there's a dude standing there with his buddy. 
He reaches over and smacks her where he should never have touched the woman. But then he moves out of the way quickly. The lady turns around. His buddy's standing there. She slaps him. I mean, cold cocks him like she's from Pine Ridge, South Carolina, y'all. And here's the reality. Here's the reality. To some of y'all, that's what the devil's been doing. He's been touching people, stepping out of the way, and you're standing there, and the problem is is you all are swinging on the wrong one. You need to identify your enemy because a distracted warrior is a destructive warrior. Your fight is not with anybody in here. And I got Bible to prove it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. No, let me tell you something. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. I'm not saying devils don't show up in people, but I want you to know it don't matter when they do. You let them sit at the table. The Bible said that Jesus sat there with Judas and washed his feet. That Jesus sat there and blessed the bread and broke it and gave it to him. I want you to know, don't worry about your Judases. They'll hang themselves. You got someone to save. You got a kingdom to advance. And the third thing that's given to every warrior is you got a battle to win. Psalms 144 and 1 says, Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Christianity is not a playground, it's a battleground. You know why some people fall away? I'll tell you why. Because we've got churches that preach this gre- greasy grace message. It's like, oh, just show up. And like, it's like, you know, Jesus is Aladdin. Y'all know who Aladdin is, right? He's got a magic carpet. You just get on. You just float through life. Like, I got saved this morning. Some of y'all be walking like that. And I'm like, hold on, bro. Ain't about to get rough. Hold on. Lace up them boots, buddy. You ain't going to be high-stepping much longer. And then two weeks later, you see them, they're like. And the reality of it is, they found out it wasn't a playground. They got saved. They went home. Two weeks later, their husband left them. They got saved. Three weeks later, cancer was diagnosed on their life. Ooh. Why? Because this thing ain't a playground. And I'm going to tell you straight, and here's something I'm going to back up with Scripture before you get offended. Before you play church, you better leave. We got too many people clapping with Jesus and holding hands with the devil. You can't be in the sanctuary on Sunday and the strip club on Saturday. It don't work that way, dog. Either you in or you out. Jesus said it this way. I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you from my mouth. What did he say? I don't play. I don't play and neither should you. If you're in, you're in. But my God, if I'm going to be in, I got to be all in. I got to be all the way in. I can't be one foot in and one foot out. I got to be all the way in because this thing's not a playground. It's a battleground. It's a battleground. Not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers of darkness. And the Bible says in high places. Here's the reality. Some of you will fight things that are seated higher than you in the spirit. Don't play. The Bible is clear. 
not to coerce, not to antagonize the enemy. That's instructions of the word. You don't, you, you, you don't think you're all big and bad because what you need to understand is there's not a battle that you can win without him. What you desire is often completely opposite, though, of what you see. Can I help somebody? Because there's a battle to be won, it will often look like a battle to be won in the face of defeat. I want to help some warriors this morning that are praying for one thing, but what they see is completely opposite. They're praying for their wife, but she is more and more and more and more and more and more walking away from the things of God. You're praying for that child. You're praying for your husband. You're praying for your finances. It's like you're giving at church, and as you're giving, it's like more and more attacks come. Oh, I believe God. Glory to God. I'm going to be a kingdom advancer. You sow a seed, and you go out and start your car, and the motor blows. The transmission drops out, and all four tires fall off in the parking lot. The problem is that $1,400 seed you just sowed would have fixed the tires. That's the reality of it. Because there's a battle to be won, you've got to understand there's going to be adversity to be faced. You're called to be a warrior. You're called to stand. You're called to not back up. You're called to advance the kingdom of God, to, to see people saved and, and win battles for the glory of Jesus. I want to declare over you today, you are a warrior. You are a warrior. You are a warrior. See, you've got to understand something because many of you have been called a wuss. Many of you have been called a worrier. Many of you have been called defeated. Many of you have been told you'll never amount to nothing. Many of you have suffered years and years of verbal abuse. I want to speak over your life in the spirit this morning and let you know you are a warrior. You are called. You are suited. You are ready for battle. You are called to back up. You are called to stand for the glory of God. you got to understand there's someone to save. There's a kingdom to advance. There's a battle to win. So how do you step into your life mission? How do you go from living a life trying to please life to a life pleasing your heavenly commander? You simply start protecting and saving those that are in your life. Start with home first. Start with work first. Start with people where you're directly connected to and start winning the kingdom of God in their life. And as you do, all of a sudden, your sphere of influence will increase. The Bible says, to whom little is given, much is required. But watch this. He said, be faithful with the little. And guess what? All of a sudden, you become ruler of much. How do ministries grow? I'll tell you how they grow. They don't start off with hundreds of people. They start off with 15. They start off with 15 faithful people, and they serve through the wars of 15. They serve through the, through the battles of 15. They serve through the battles now of 25. And now God entrusts more warriors and more soldiers. How come Dominion Church will one day be a church of thousands I'll tell you how because we're faithful with 250 we're faithful with 350 we're faithful with 550 and all of a sudden we start taking the city and the region for the glory of God how do life groups grow because they're faithful with one they're faithful with two they're faithful with three they're faithful with four and all of a sudden the vision comes to pass a hundred life groups out of this ministry hundred home churches out of this apostolic revival hub Victory isn't always what you conquer later. Victory is being faithful and obedient today. Jesus wasn't just victorious when he gave his life on the cross. It was victory 
when he fought against the temptations of the devil. It was victory when he protected the broken woman against the angry mob. It was victory when he overturned tables in the temple. It was victory as he warred in the garden against the demons that, cri- that cried out for him to surrender. But he did surrender it, but it wasn't to them. It was to him who said, not my will, but thy will be done. It was victory. It was a mighty victory when, the, when he was on the cross and it looked like he was defeated. But yet in victory, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing when the devil attacks you you fight back not with hands but with prayer and with the word 2 Corinthians I'm coming to a close 2 Corinthians 10 3-6 says for though we live in this world we don't wage war as the world does go on to the next verse please the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world on the contrary Absolutely, absolutely on the complete opposite. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it, to make it, to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Wow, that's what you're called to. Joel 3 and verse 9 says, Say to the nations far and wide, get ready for war. Call out your best warriors and let all your fighting men advance for the attack. Hammer your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Train even your, weak, your weaklings to be warriors. Come quickly, all you nations everywhere. Gather together in the valley. And now, O oh Lord, call out your warriors. I want you to know that God is calling out warriors in this last day where it seems like the enemy is forever advancing. He's advancing in the news media. He's advancing in the government. He's advancing in our schools. He's advancing in every area and every sphere of influence. But I believe wholeheartedly that in this last days, Joel 3 is about to happen, that God is saying, I'm calling out the warriors. Rise up those that will stand and Fight on your knees and war with the word and war with faith and war with prayer. War and see your family saved. See your children saved. See your businesses changed. War. Stand. Fight, warrior. Stand and fight. Warriors, stand with me all over the house. Warriors who ain't afraid to throw a punch. Warriors who understand there's people to save. There's a kingdom to advance. And there's a battle to win. Where are the cries of men like David that will say, who are you to come against the armies of the living God? Who are you to stand in the face of the armies of the living God. The reality of it is, is while David caught a picture of Goliath, he had a greater picture of the God he served. I believe that little David, 17 years old, reaches down and grabs five smooth stones from the brook. And he picks them up and he goes down there to face Goliath. But I don't believe he was looking at Goliath. I think he was sizing him up. 
I believe he looked at Goliath and he looked at his God. I believe he looked at Goliath and he looked at his God. I believe he looked at Goliath and then he looked at his God and he said, who are you to stand and defy the armies of the living God? You may be big, but my God is a whole lot bigger. You may be strong, but my God is a whole lot stronger. And the God who delivered me out of the mouth of the lion and the bear will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hands today. Why? Because David was a warrior. David understood that the battle ultimately belonged to the Lord, but what God was looking for was someone to step forward in obedience. I want you to know this morning, there's stones in the brook. There's stones in the brook. There's stones in the brook. Listen to me. There is something within your reach that if you'll reach out and grab it, you'll watch giants fall. Maybe reach out and and grab a hold of epic youth. Maybe reach out and grab hold of a life group. Maybe reach out and grab kingdom kids. Maybe reach out and grab a stone called dominion worship. And go and say, who are you? Because I've got people to save a kingdom to advance and a battle to win. I came into this message this morning with the belief that I would be that of a draft by the Holy Ghost this morning. That God has sent me this morning as a messenger to say your number's up. To say that your number's been picked. You've warred for the world long enough. It's time to come serve under King Jesus and see his kingdom advance, to see people saved, and to watch battles be won. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you hear this morning. Holy Spirit, settle in this place. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. You've been fighting long enough. The problem is, as a warrior that does not understand his purpose will fight against the wrong cause. Some of y'all been fighting against God, but God's been trying to get you to fight for him. Some of y'all been fighting against the idea of church, but what you don't know is you'll become one of the greatest warriors the church has ever seen. Some of y'all fighting against your wife, fighting against your husband, but you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Rather than fight against them, why don't you start fighting with them? to advance the kingdom of God, to see people saved and to see battles be won.